Best Book Beats presents Adam Aston Asto and Adam Jones Jonesy, host of the podcast show What You Will Learn and authors of their new book, The Shit They Never Taught You, What You Can Learn from Books. Asto and Jonesy, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, thanks for having us, Michael. Great us. to be here, mate. Ah, no worries. Now, for my audience who uh, don't know you guys, uh, tell us how you've become friends. Yeah, we met at a pub. Uh, we were both working part-time or just casual job during our uni days, and uh, we were both pouring beers for the local bar flies, the blokes who hung out at the bar pretty much all day, every day. And that was really where we, I guess, kicked it off from an initial friendship perspective. Then we didn't really see each other for a couple of years. We crossed paths at uni. Jonesy was at a pub again, this time as a patron, having a drink, but also had a book in hand, which normally is a bit of a strange thing, having a beer in one hand and a book in the other, but I, I was on, on the same wavelength, so I thought, okay, this is someone I need to chat to a bit more, and from there, started reading books, talking about books, making a podcast about books, and now we've written a book. Yeah, amazing, yeah, uh, funny little story is uh, how long you've been summarizing books for? So, what, we'll be going to our, just starting sixth, our sixth season, so we've done uh, I'd say 250 books at least. I always get the numbers wrong, so correct me, I'll show you. If, uh, no, that's close enough. So yeah, done. reviewed about 250 books. I'd say we've read about 350 each in that time because, um, you know, as you know, not every book is of the quality that you need to actually get on the episodes uh, for the podcast. So it's been one hell of a journey. From the very start, we were just doing it in the, you know, in the kitchen, just hit record, didn't really put much thought around it. There was people cooking in the background and then over time, we just kept iterating and iterating. And uh, as we started to grow a bit of an audience, we improved the quality and you know started making products like the, the book we have right now. Yeah, awesome. And uh, what's the slogan of, um, of your podcast, if you don't mind? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Cool. What you will learn, yeah. the best bits from the best books. Rings a bell, rings a bell, doesn't it? A funny story for my audience who've been following me for over the years. I've actually... Um, got that title which is best book bits and uh <laughs> funny little story i was uh one day online on spotify and uh just trolling through and i found all these book summaries and they were pretty much the same as mine in terms of cover <laughs> and there was a, a good 200 of them so i thought oh here we go someone's actually stolen my stuff i looked further two guys from melbourne i thought what are the odds from that i'm from melbourne they're from melbourne so i dm'd um adam i know both of you guys names adam but um i think it was um what was your name? So the last name? Ashto. Ashto. <laughs> yeah, so I messaged Ashto. Got on the phone and we had a bit of a, a chat and it was a really funny story that uh, two guys from Melbourne started summarizing books at the same time, same location, same titles, and we had no idea after <laughs> years that we were both doing the same thing. So congrats, guys. You didn't copy me. Uh, you are original and uh, well done. <laughs> Is that, Michael? Have you, read, um, have you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Uh, I haven't, no. No. A bit spooky, but she she talks about how ideas are these things that roam around in the world and they can tap on your shoulder. It's a bit of a out there kind of spirituality kind of stuff, but um, it's a really relevant idea because probably the same bit of inspiration hit us, hit you, and probably hit a whole bunch of people around the world. And it's quite bizarre. It's quite very specific. Out of all the slogans you could have, it's it's identical. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's pretty funny it's that good. yeah, four, no, we were four and a half years in, and then we look back and we started like a week apart or something. But it looks like you got the number plate up there, so you've gone, you've uh, official made it official with the that's number official. plate behind you. That's do you know where that's from? That's from the Queen Victoria Market. 
Oh, nice. Ah, yeah. That's, that's brilliant. <laughs> well, it was just sitting there one day and you, it was just someone else made it. And no, it was just, it's a I custom. Oh, custom, custom made. Okay. I thought someone, I thought someone <laughs> else was Someone else has ripped, ripped off your title and made a number plate out of it. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to be quick. But uh, tell, us about your, tell us about your podcast. And I know you were summarizing books and you two were on the, the show, but what made you start to bring authors on and, and add value to your audience? Yeah, we always, at the very start, our goal was to have authors on as, as interviews. We started off just talking between us. Uh, we were sending out a few cold emails, getting a lot of no responses, a couple of no's here or there. It was probably seven months before we got our very first author, finally said yes to do an interview. Uh, it was a fair slog. We had a system with a, a bloke from Kenya who was doing our cold emails for us. He'd send out 50, we'd get no responses. He'd send out another 50, he'd get no responses. Finally, he sent out 50 and we got one. And then from there, then we could tweak the system a little bit. He sent out 50 cold emails. Maybe we got two or three. Then he'd send out 50 and we get four or five. We gradually improved our system. We got better names, better credibility, better guests on. And then eventually we were able to build our strike rate up. So it wasn't zero or 1%. We were getting a closer to 30, 35%. But it's still a bit of a slog to, to get people on board. It's, uh, everyone's obviously in high demand. And we're just two blokes from Melbourne um, having a crack. Yeah, yeah. And who was your first guest that you uh, got on? The first one was Matthew Michael Witch. Um, he uh, wrote a book called Life in Half a Second, um, which was a bit of a it was a, it was a great book actually. Uh, just a lot of a lot about goal setting, a lot about realizing that hey, you're not here for very long, so you better make the most of it. Yep. And uh, what was it like uh, for those Australians out there interviewing uh, Malcolm Turnbull, uh, the then Prime Minister? Yeah, that was uh, it was quite. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So we did um, Kevin Rudd before him and Malcolm Turnbull. So I feel like our nerves were much bigger when we did Kevin Rudd. It's like with anything at the very st- – I'd say mostly our nerves were actually with that first one, Matthew yeah. Michaelwich. <laughs> and then over time when you have those moments when you're against up against someone important and you've got that status difference sort of thing, um, naturally you get a bit nervous around such people. But I think when it came to Malcolm Turnbull and – Credit to them, both of them, Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turnbull, they didn't really have that much that status vibe off air. They were both just normal, genuine people. So I think for Malcolm specifically, the, the best part was just chatting before and after. I mean, uh, you know, he shared his phone number and said, let's catch up when we're in Sydney. So I was excited thinking me and Malcolm would go off and be best mates. But then six months later, I messaged him and uh, unfortunately got no reply. Then I messaged him again and he said, um, you know, speak to my assistant. I ended up calling him the next time and, and he answered and then said, hey, Malcolm, it's Adam here. We're going to catch up for lunch and coffee or a beer or something. And then he just hung up on me. But uh, <laughs> specifically during the interview, it was great. And um, yeah, my vision's still there that me and Malcolm can go out and be pretty good mates. Didn't he say uh, delete my number? <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't good. I think I might, uh, might drunk dial in one night. Just to, it'll just slowly, slowly demise still, I think. But yeah, it was a lot of fun that people have been able to interview and, and being able to chat to PMs. Um, it's a big deal and uh, I think we got a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And I've got a question for Asto. Um, reading your book, uh, fantastic, by the way, and a great little introduction on, on the two of you and come from sort of very different backgrounds. And uh, I want to touch on sort of how you got started with those books. So if you don't mind, Asto, the question's for you first. What made you start books? I know you were an extremely educated and uh, intelligent person back in school and university, but what was that transition after that, if you want to touch on that story? 
Yeah, there's a big big difference, I guess, between the book smarts and the, the real world street smarts as well. I was pretty high on the on the book smarts and extremely low on the real world level sort of intelligence. Um, I decided to finally, after not reading a book since Shakespeare back in high school, finally decided to crack open How to Win Friends and Influence People, which was a which for me I was very lucky that it was the first book I picked up because it was absolutely phenomenal. My eyes were completely opened, um, and it actually really helped me get a job. It helped me to speak to people better. I was less nervous. I was a lot more confident. I stopped speaking about me and try to sell them on how good I was, and it was a lot about asking questions and and actually building rapport with people. And so that first book helped me get a job, which was fantastic. So I started looking, okay, what else? What's the next thing I can do? I picked up Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk, which was uh, again a real eye opener. I'd come from a place where it was you know doctor or lawyer was sort of the two two choices, but then Gary Vaynerchuk comes along and says, oh, you can write a blog about how much you love Smurfs and make a million dollars. So I was like, oh, that sounds freaking awesome. So I, I thought I'd go for that, uh, not the Smurfs specifically, but had a crack at starting my very first business. The next book I picked up was uh, The Rules of the Game by Neil Strauss. I'd heard about the game and I bought that one by mistake, The Rules of the Game, um, but it helped me get a girlfriend. So I was like, the first three books I read got me a job, got me a business, got me a girlfriend. And from there, like the, 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 the hunt for knowledge was on and I just kept reading books and haven't stopped since. The trifecta. That's it. <laughs> what more could you want? Yeah, and uh, I know you're a bit of a math head. I'm a math person myself. I'm actually uh, not very good at English, but uh, that comes with reading. So, yeah. Um, and over to you, Jonesy. I know you used to be a bit of a party party guy back in the day and a bit of a smoker um, and then smashing it with the engineering and, and becoming uh, getting the award in 2019 for a future leader with engineering or something like that. Do you want to touch on yeah. how it all started for you back in the day? I'd say uh, in my teens, I was a hard worker and I was just... I went through cycles of like working hard to, to scrape by, but then, um, you know, late teens, like you do, uh, I was, well, not everyone does, but I, I got got really into the party scene and, um, you know, got into recreational drugs, pack a day smoker, binge drinking, just going wild, wild, wild on, on weekends sort of thing. And probably got to the point where I was just scraping, scraping by. And if I stayed on that path, it kind of just frightens me to think like where I would have ended up. I probably wouldn't have finished university at the very end and I definitely wouldn't have got a job and if I didn't I would have been very successful in my job whatsoever um, due to the habits that I had at the time luckily don't know how the hell it popped up into my head but someone somewhere you know when I was smoking said there's this book Alan Carr's easy way to stop smoking and this will this will help you quit smoking anyway when I was in Turkey one day I thought all right, I'm going to pick up this book and just see what it's all about surely it's not going to change my habits and you know it absolutely blew me away because not only did it help me quit smoking, it actually made me enjoy the whole entire process of quitting. So if you think about what a pack a day smoker spends cash-wise in their lifetime, 20 bucks a day, probably more now, added up, you're probably looking over a million bucks over a lifetime. In terms of your health, degradation, probably losing 10 years of your life. So from there, right, like you got a 30 or $40 book, 10-hour investment, and you're getting back a million dollars plus in 10 years of life. So the return on investment was absolutely off the charts. And I think that just really changed my mind. I was that blown away from that point. And that's when my smoking habit was swapped with an equally and powerful but for the positive. And that was my reading habit. And looking for return on investments in books with a similar kind of magnitude. Over the years, we've definitely gotten, whether it be negotiation, whether it be your, your love life, finding a partner like Asho had, starting a business and... Because whatever problem you've, you've got out there, someone out there has solved it 
and you can just access their book and get the best way of, of doing it. So for me, it started there. And that's probably when I met Astro when we were both sold on it. We've both got this similar return on investment from books. And we were thinking, are we allowed to curse on this, Michael? Of course you can, yeah. <laughs> we think, why the fuck are they teaching us this other stuff at university? For me, it was the matrix method doing some intricate engineering problems, which um, it's good for university, but in the real world, it's got an application for Ashto as his financial derivatives. And like, he was reading Carnegie. I'd read Carnegie at the time. I think, why the fuck aren't they? Where, where's this all this other stuff been? We're, we're at our early 20s. This is the real stuff that's going to take us places. And that's what we learned at the very early age of, you know, early 20s, luckily. Yeah, and you spent a um, you spent an incredible amount of time together actually dissecting the book and 25 to 30 hours, I believe, on, on each book. Is that right? Yeah, every week we're, we're reading a book. Obviously, it takes the time to read the book. And now uh, at the start, it was a very much uh, hit record, talk for 20 minutes, hit stop and upload. Um, now we've really stepped up the system. So it's, we're spending a lot of time dissecting the book. Not only do we read it, one person will do notes, we'll make mind maps, we'll restructure, we'll edit the notes, we'll go back and forth a couple of times each to refine the notes to get the perfect structure and the perfect flow and finding the, the perfect stories and the perfect studies to lead the listener to get to the, the lesson at the end. Um, and then obviously we've got to record it, and then we'll edit it, we'll write a blog post about it, um, and then eventually upload it. It takes, a, it takes a fair bit of time every single week, that's for sure. Yeah, I can I can actually understand because I do that myself. <laughs> yeah, but literally, yeah. <laughs> one of the great things that uh, you guys do, you actually review the book. So I don't review the book; I just do a straight summary. You actually talk about it and uh, give lessons as well, and actually have a have a conversation, which which is fantastic. So, to my listeners that um, don't know the name of the podcast, what is the name of your podcast? What you will learn. Yep, and um, you ranked up there in the Australian Spotify charts, as am I. I'm not going to ask your number. We can do that uh, What, where your ranking is, but uh, I know you've, you've had multiple millions of downloads and you're doing a fantastic job. But uh, what do you guys do when you're not sort of reading books, uh, writing and, and interviewing? Yeah, well, for me, I'd say all my spare time when I'm not doing anything, um, it. A lot of the time, it is it is reading just because there's I feel like no time's wasted when you got a book in your hand. But on the other hand, for me, I'd say um, something that I've at this stage in life really trying to figure out for myself. But because uh, well being sometimes you don't really pay enough attention to. So you know I think it's something that I've neglected. But right now I'm focusing to find out what's that thing that's going to actually rejuvenate me so I can get back to work. But I'd say it'd be surfing for me. Going to urban surf here in Melbourne. You know the the wave park there jiu-jitsu, catching up with friends that not in the work or business context whatsoever, um, going to the hot springs, trying to, to do that or just daily meditation as, a, as, as the goal really just to rejuvenate as much as possible. Yeah, and yourself, Asto? Yeah, well, we're, we're both um, working full-time plus doing the podcast, which takes, which is almost another full-time job as well, plus writing the book on top of that was, a, was definitely a more than a full-time job as well. Uh, and then besides that hobbies i'm still playing footy i thought covid could have been an early end to my footy career but i got dragged back in um for another year so we haven't had a successful season in terms of wins but it's uh it's not a bad way to spend a saturday i might um yeah. jump in there what's the biggest record you've heard of a team losing by sorry to do this show <laughs> no, you're right. in, in afl in a, Two, yeah. 200 250 country footy maybe oh, no that was fine we only Jeez. lost by we only lost by 200 so that's that's okay. nothing <laughs> I lost by 200 a few weeks ago I was, I was quite blown away i've never heard of that margin but there you go michael you might have uh, not had too much success with footy as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not. 
I was actually a good footballer back in the day, but that's okay. Yeah. I go for the kangaroo, so I don't want to talk oh, about football right now. Else. So <laughs> we'll move on that. Yeah. But um, talk to me about how the book came about. So you were a couple of years into summarising and doing reviews and interviewing international authors as well and, and you know, Australian prime ministers. Um, who, who came up with the idea for the book? I'd say it was kind of an organic um, extension of one of our earlier projects, and that was just doing our uh, top 50 books Ooh, of yeah. all time, which was... A few years ago, our, our idea of just building an email database and like your traditional lean startup book, you know, you got your MVP. We thought, all right, this could be a good MVP because people are downloading and somewhat enjoying it. And we thought, all right, why don't we make a top 100 books of all time and extend it to four or five pages per summary rather than just one little paragraph. So that's where it came from. Uh, I think it was just an organic discussion between both of us. And then from there, we, we, we wrote that. And we thought, all right, we're done. We're done. We've got the book. It's <laughs> finished. And we only, it only took us about a month's time. Sent it out for feedback. And uh, let's just say thank you to the, all the people who gave us feedback because it was blunt. <laughs> and that's what we needed at that time because it was dull, it was boring, and it was pretty crap, the whole MVP. So that's really where it started. And then from there, it was a few more iterations and a lot more pain in writing the book, I'd say, um, especially towards the end because it just... Getting it from 90% to 100% is almost equal amount of time from getting it to, from 0% to 50%. Um, so that's where it started and there was organic iterations from there. And then we landed on something that we're really proud of now. And we think it's going to be perennial, something for us for, you know, in 10 years time, this will still be relevant in our lives and, you know, we can give it to people and hopefully people are still buying it and ideally a bit of uh, word of mouth in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what was your first title you said on, on the ebook you did? Oh, was the the book about books. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say you've copied me again because I've done the book Success in Fifty Steps, and I believe you put fifty in there somewhere. Oh, we did. We had, yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, so, so, books of all top time. Fifty books of all time. It's only about yeah. another fifty. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. just going to be selfish right now and talk about my book. No, I'm joking. I've done thirteen <laughs> years, seven hundred books. I actually researched five hundred books to just create that book. So as a, as an author myself and a podcast, I and I am aware of the struggles and uh, tribulations that go into. Writing a book, uh, mine took 13 years and six revisions, but um, you did it after no. 16 months and six iterations of writing and rewriting. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We went through, um, as Jonesy said, after the first month and Jonesy was like, yeah, I think we're, I think we're done. Uh, I thought, oh, yeah, we're, we're probably close, but not quite done yet. But then, yeah, it was uh, from there, we went through the next iteration, which we tried to add a bit more life to it. People said, we only sort of like every third thing, we like add a story and they're like, oh, these stories are good. You need to do more of these. So there was another iteration. Then they're like, oh, well, you've got these random, you know, you've got a, a science book, then a business book, then a career book, and then a philosophy book, like, because our order was just 100 down to one and it was a random scattergun of, and they said, well, why aren't, like, I kind of like, some stuff but not all of it can you like put all the business stuff together and put all the science stuff together put off all the philosophy stuff together so that was like another iteration and then we tried to link them up rather than just having each book stand on its own we tried to weave the storylines together to have like three or four books around the same topic that tie into one meta lesson so there was another iteration so yeah we just kept it seemed like every time we, we took a, a big step forward there was still another big step ahead of us but it was definitely worth it in the end yeah, it's a fantastic book. So my audience, uh, go out and get it. The shit they never taught you. Now it's it's super fat as well. So when you talk about a perennial seller, it's actually quite scary receiving this book in the mail and looking at how many pages they're at. But it's um, I think you've done really well with sending it out too. So whose idea was it to go that many pages? 
Well, we were working off of Google Docs a lot of the time, so we just kept we just kept going and adding and <laughs> adding and not realizing how long it's going to be. And we were breaking one of our golden rules of books in in one sense because a lot of the time we think it's more lazy to write a big book than a short book. Like we always appreciate the efficiency of words of an author like Seth Godin. You know, he gets the idea done in a hundred pages. So in a sense, we, we would, if we had the choice, we'd go for a short book. But um, we definitely cut out as much fat as we can. Because on the Google Docs, we didn't realize how long it would be. And turns out there's a whole bunch of shit they never taught you, um, Michael. So I don't think it would make sense for the context of what this book is to be a, to be a little one. No, it's perfect. No, it's great. And uh, I'm quite enjoying uh, the many chapters. So each chapter is sort of a mini lesson of the 115 of the best books that you have uh, summarized. I'm not going to say Don't tell me you've done another book of uh, the 115 or something. Surely we haven't copied you three times. No, no, not three times. No, (laughs) not three times. Um, And I have to hand it to you. uh, Probably one of the first Australian book reviewers and summary people to actually go on national TV. Tell me what it was like breaking your virginity on the Channel 9 <laughs> morning show and Studio 10 as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll claim that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an elite crew, isn't it? You're, you're part of the crew with us of the Australian book reviewers. I don't know how many there are, but we'll claim, we'll claim the first. I guess we can claim the first ones to go on TV. It was definitely a different experience to us. We're, uh, we're used to just being behind the mic. Um, nobody seeing what we're doing, only hearing what we're doing. So uh, yeah, getting a, getting a bit of makeup put on the face was, was a new experience, that's for sure. Yep. And, and yourself, Jonesy, what, what did you think? Yeah, it was a bit a uh, bit of a nerve wracking experience, as you can imagine. You're packed in this little black dark room with room with a, a green screen behind you, and uh, you know, I, I like you heard there, my voice breaks every now and then. <laughs> so I was thinking, all right, the worst thing that could happen is my voice. voice. <laughs> When I do too much podcast, my voice breaks. <laughs> anyway, that's that's what I was um, that's what I was just hoping didn't happen, and luckily it didn't. I didn't want my first words to be splurred and stuff up, sort of thing. It's like any new experience, whether you be public speaking or doing a podcast. There's always that possibility you'll stuff up, but uh, luckily with it with a bit of practice beforehand, uh, I think we did all right and got a bit of a spike in book sales as well after after it. So, yeah, after that, I think when you get pushed out of your comfort zone. Next time, next things you do just feels that little bit easier. So I think that's the biggest benefit of pushing yourself on a national TV and dealing with the nerves that come with that. Yeah, and you've also been on national radio as well. Uh, I heard you in the car once too, so you're everywhere. Oh, nice. You can't avoid us, mate. You can't avoid us. That's part of the strategy was working then. That's good. Um, just want to touch on some of the famous authors you've interviewed and, and any lessons that you can remember. So I'm going to do a bit of a speed round and uh, shout some names you both can answer as well. So Robert Greene, what was it like uh, interviewing Robert Greene? Oh man, he's the absolute master. The 48 Laws of Power, The Laws of Human Nature, Mastery, The 33 Strategies of War. Um, it was good and he, uh, he gave Jonesy some hard advice about a, a personal war that Jonesy was fighting at the time that he needed to use a bit more power. Yeah, such you, as? Oh, if you've read his books, he always talks about the dark side and being a bit more assertive and aggressive where you can. And after reading his books, I thought, all right, maybe there's some enemy in my life who I've previously conceived of as a friend. I thought, all right, I'm going to do some Robert Greene here and uh, maybe just be a bit more aggressive and all that. Anyway, I told the story to Robert Greene and uh, I didn't didn't follow through the whole way through and I ended up bowing down and um, (laughs) capitulating and inviting the person back to to you know and, or essentially apologizing and, <laughs> and robert green his, his face just went oh what have you done mate just, <laughs> anyway, disappointing one of our mentors through books uh robert green but i think that like having people like that you know 
let's say if there's anyone in the world you'd like advice on, like us at the time, I'd love to speak to Robert Green and just bounce a few life situations off with him. And we had that opportunity. And I think the best thing you could do is get that reaction from one of your mentor mentors through books and just have, Ugh, just just that. <laughs> And um, it lets you just maybe just change course on a few different things. So, yeah, yep. Robert Green was phenomenal. And did you find your why with Simon Sinek? Uh, we were thinking more about the Infinite Game. We were meant to we were meant to see him in person. He was coming to um, he was coming to Melbourne at the end of March 2020, and we booked in to see him in person. Um, but of course, that never happened. He never made the flight out. But luckily, we had a three three a.m. call over to the U.S. and managed to get it anyway. Yeah, awesome. And uh, tell us about the first time you. Uh, interviewed someone through the podcast in person and you were in the other room and they were in the other room and tell us a bit about that. <laughs> this is this is another another Jonesy special. One uh one 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 thing that he does is the voice pops. Another thing is uh we were just in that room um and he was in the waiting room outside and Jonesy ran into him in the bathroom, um, said g'day, introduced himself and then came back into the room and fifteen minutes went past, twenty minutes went past, he still hadn't come in. And um, we were, oh. we were like, where, where is this guy? We were drawing, we we because we were didn't, you know, we thought we were really important being in this big business conference room. We were drawing dicks on the whiteboard and just <laughs> laughing and just being little little child little children, pretty much. <laughs> then uh, he pops in ten minutes later. He's obviously been waiting for ages. And he goes, "Where the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> and he started yelling at us, and he was tense. As that, and this was our first in-person experience, first like, ever. Jesus. <laughs> So it was very tense, but um, luckily it was Steve Keen actually. Lucky he was a gentleman after that, and uh, you know we got along, and it was it was fine. He got but... into it. He said he said he we owe him a beer, which I think is fair because he was very pissed off that Jonesy had seen him in the toilet and then made him wait for twenty five minutes. But finally, it was it was a good chat. He actually flicked instantly from yelling to like a gentleman, which yeah. was which is probably a good thing to do. Yeah, awesome. Do you remember any lessons from uh, MJ DeMarco, um, Millionaire Fastlane? Oh man, it's fan- fantastic books, unscripted, millionaire fast lane. Just the idea of like which lane do you want to pick? Do you want to pick the sidewalk, which is living beyond your means and always being fueled by credit? Or do you want to pick the slow lane, which is the long-term slow growth, save 10%, invest in the stock market, average 8% returns. When you turn 70, you might you might have a nice pot of gold waiting at the end of the rainbow if things go right. Or you can pick the fast lane, which is working very hard, very early, and getting to not not get rich easy, but get rich quick by working hard. Yeah. I think the what he does really well, like a lot of books like your 4-Hour Workweek or Crush It, they really sell the sizzle about this other life that you might want to try and try and live you know get a product get passive income and and go hard and get rich and all that sort of stuff but what he does really well mj namarco is he sells that but also articulates the difficulty is the opportunity if you're an entrepreneur trying to do the easy stuff like we were at the time you know getting getting a virtual assistant write an ebook thinking you know someone else can do it and we will just get rich off it that's not going to work the whole idea is to find what's the most difficult path that everyone is afraid of doing themselves and right there, that's where the opportunity is going to be. And on top of that, um, paradoxically to entrepreneurs, which they may not want to hear, a lot of the time it might be in your, your day job. So the domain that your, your day job is, that's probably where you're going to have your own domain experience and you might have a little moat around whatever your technical skill set might be. And that's where your entre- entrepreneurship journey could be starting. So he ties different ideas of selling the sizzle of what comes with entrepreneurship, but also being blunt in saying how difficult it is and some of the things that you might not want to hear. Was that the longest speed round ever? No, it's still going. A couple more. So 
I want to I want to know your thoughts on Cal Newport. Yeah, Cal Newport, great books. Um, so good they can't ignore you was the first one we read. Um, fantastic idea. Don't follow your passion, which is obviously something that we probably didn't want to hear at first, but it was a it was a good one. Then he went into deep work, which is a way to build those skills that you need. Uh, and then he went into what digital minimalism, which was a way to do deep work. And now he's gone into a world without email, which is a way to do digital minimalism. So he's gone like deeper and deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole into this one niche, but fantastic books. And yourself, Jonesy, what do you think? Yeah, I loved his early ones the most. Um, I think we maybe said that to him when we spoke to him. But when he, when he went really wide with um, So Good They Can't Ignore You about career capital, he covered a lot more territory and I think a lot more tangible. As he's gone more and more narrow and narrow, I think his books have been less appealing for me, particularly a world without email. You don't get much more narrow than one specific thing on email. Um, you know, but phenomenal book. And I think the, the idea of career capital is something that we always draw on as, as essentially a mental model and on how to approach your career. Yeah, perfect. And one last author, which is uh, one of my favorite and one of my first books I ever read was uh, Dr. John D. Martini. So what was it like? Was that an in-person interview or was that uh, over the web? Yeah, that was in person. That was probably another funny one that he was coming. He lives on a boat, doesn't he? And then he yeah, popped he lives in. on a cruise ship. He's, yeah. uh, he's the real deal. He, he popped into Melbourne for, for a couple of days and uh, there was some kind. Of, there was just some kind of mix up with the booking. I forget exactly what it was, but we thought it was at some time, and he wasn't there. And then he was asleep, and he told the hotel not to call him because he got in at you know four a.m. that night. And then, but they called him anyway. But then he thought that he had another. He had someone else there who he thought we were there for a coaching session, like he was coaching us, and he had someone else to coach us. But he didn't realize that we were there interviewing him. So his assistant, I reckon, got a blast for mixing up the bookings. But it was um, it was they're always funny the behind the scenes stories but it, it was a good one um he's a he's definitely an interesting character that's for sure yeah that should be your next book behind the uh behind the scenes of real interviews <laughs> um, i'm gonna be self i'm gonna be selfish and talk about the one of the things that stuck with me with that particular book he's written uh, multiple books was about your top 10 values so everyone has a hierarchy of values and similar to dna so what your number one value is and what your 10th value is in that particular combination is what makes you unique um Amazing stuff. So ever since realizing about the hierarchy of values, you can never judge someone else because everyone's got a different set of hierarchies. So I appreciate the uh, the speed round. Who's any, um, is there two or three guests that you would want to have on your show that currently is not? Um, who's your sort of wish list? We've got, I guess, there's the, the normal wish list of people within the realm, you know, similar to the types of people that we've done but we haven't done yet. So that would probably include people like Adam Grant, Ryan Holiday, the types of people you'd expect. Um, then there's probably like the next level, which is like the dream guests, which is like your Tony Robbins type. That would be a phenomenal one that uh, we haven't managed to secure yet but would love to chat to him one day. And then you got your obvious ones like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing to do with books but we always do the, the moon shots every now and then like your Elon Musk types. And uh, which I tried once, and yeah, obviously got a, got a rejection. But it was a nice rejection from one of his assistants. So, yeah, perfect. And and where's the show going, or what's uh, what's the next vision for you guys in the next five years? So in five years' time, be 2026. Where will we see the two atoms? Yeah, I think it's keep on keeping on iterating. Like once you're five years into an endeavor, uh, the, the, you might get into the the period where you just want to just you know, maintain the systems that you've got. 
Um, I think from here, we just need to keep injecting something new all the time and uh, having that balance of, of newness. But um, what's the, so the build to last concept? It was uh, preserve the core and stimulate progress. I think that's a meta lesson. This draws on evolution really. So over 10 years, ideally we can't predict right now where that would be because we're constantly uh, evolving in certain different ways based on data we're getting from the audience, that data from what's working and whatnot. So, you know, 10 years, we'll obviously, I think our core would be we're still doing books. So we're probably at about six or seven, 800 books at that stage, but our product is, is another iteration above what we are now. Yeah, cool, cool. Now we're going to do a bit of a speed round on your book. So we're going to go through part one, getting your shit together. The six lessons in the book. So I'm going to ask one question for you, Adam, and the other one uh, for Jonesy as well, so you can answer them really quick. So uh, first one for Jonesy, lesson one, smelling the roses. Give us a quick little 15 to 30 seconds. What's it about? Well, a lot of the time, particularly with books, you get determined uh, all about success, business, um, money, just getting things and just going after goals. Uh, a lot of the time, we just don't just lie back and smell the roses and really prioritize happiness in our life. We've only got one shot at it and you know you don't want to get to the very end and think, what the hell just happened? Did I just climb so hard going up a ladder only for it to be lying against the wrong wall? Yeah, perfect. Lesson two, outgrowing your shell. Yeah, we're, we all think that we're at this... Oh, I guess especially before you've read books, you think that you're this fixed being that you've... Your, your skills are built in, uh, your abilities are built in, but when you read a fantastic book like Mindset by Carol Dweck, you realize that you can flip to the growth mindset and realize that anything that you've got is because you worked hard to get it. So if you want something different, if you want to outgrow yourself, if you want to become bigger, become more, then you've got to work hard to develop new skills and new abilities. Yeah, perfect. Uh, programming the autopilot. Habits are absolutely everything if you don't have good habits doesn't matter what your goals are you're not going to get there without good habits so one thing we never learn in school or growing up is how do you actually program habits into your life after the early ones if you set your goals what comes next so um, with this program the autopilot is you wake up and from day dot you're doing the things that are going to make you successful um, and happy yeah big ticket programs yeah well after you've after you've worked at how to install new programs, new habits, then you're going to think, okay, what are some of the big things you need to do? So we included health. Health is a big one. Tidying your house, that's a big one. Uh, we included things like quitting smoking and quitting alcohol. They're big ones as well. Um, so it's important to think about, okay, now you've got this new skill of adding a habit. What are the big things you want to do that are going to have the highest leverage over your life? Yeah, cool. And Jonesy, love is in the air. What's that lesson about? Well, it's another one of those big ones. Divorce rates are on the rise, particularly for you know younger generations coming up, and uh, just general general unhappiness in relationships is also on the rise. So I forget the exact numbers, but take me my word for that. So a lot of the time, we we don't realize how to actually fulfill the, the emotional love tank of the partner. There's different ways to communicate to make them feel loved and valued. And uh, there's ways you can actually approach life as a partnership to get the most out of life just, just so you're not flying um, flying solo the whole way. Yeah, cool. And the last lesson, having a crack. Having a crack, that's a big one, is stepping up to the plate and having a swing. It's nice and comfortable and easy if you're on the sidelines watching people having a crack. It's a lot tougher to get into the arena yourself, get a bit bloody, get a bit muddy, get a bit sweaty, uh, but that's the only way to progress is to actually step into the arena or step up to the plate and have a swing. Yeah, perfect. And there's uh, 32 lessons uh, in the book, all 
broken down. Massive 600-something pages, so I, I tell my audience, go out there, purchase the book. Links will be below. Now, a couple last questions before we wrap up and let you guys uh, get on with the day. Now, I'm going to ask this question individually, so you both can have different answers. Now, there's a UK TV show called Come Dine With Me. Now, if you had to invite three dinner guests to your place, who would they be and what would you serve them? They could be anyone from the past or the present that are famous. So, Jonesy, you go first. Uh, I'll have to go the first thoughts that come to mind. Got a really obvious one, which would be Elon Musk. For obvious reasons, someone I really look up to in terms of his um, his ability to take risks for uh, some sort of greater good that he defines. Number two, throw Jesus in the mix. He'd be an interesting dude, especially sitting there with uh, Elon Musk. I'm not religious whatsoever, but it'd be cool to have Jesus popping around there as well. And um, thirdly, this is going to be not the best answer because I don't don't have a good one, but we, we need to choose one. I'd go with Robert Greene, favorite author. Um, so. <laughs> So a lot of diverse opinions at the table and uh, from that you might have a really interesting discussion. They might go somewhere that's never been or might go nowhere at all. Where would you take him and what would you serve him? Uh, I'd take him to probably to the old Tudor Inn pub that I met Ashton. <laughs> uh, it's a, got a lot of bar flies there. It's very lower class, working class, battler and I kind of love those environments, particularly putting those three successful individuals in that in that environment would be uh, kind of interesting and maybe invite one of the barflies to uh, join the conversation as well yeah what uh what would you order them for food well the tutor in doesn't have the best food i might uh <laughs> I'd probably get uber eats um delivered to the door of that pub because we worked there and we knew the chefs <laughs> we knew what pressure they were under and i probably wouldn't wouldn't trust what comes out and put onto the table no offense yeah. uh, the tutor in's got his benefits but um yeah the food wasn't the best Perfect. So Elon Jesus and uh, Robert Green at, at the pub <laughs> with a bit of Uber Eats. Perfect. Now, Asto, um, same question. You probably thought about the answers. So give me your three. Yeah, I had a bit of a think. I thought about 50 different people trying to pick out the best per- perfect combination. I think Tony Robbins has to get in there because he'd really give you a, a rev up. Just spending a couple of minutes even, let alone a couple of hours, would uh, could change the trajectory of your life. I'd have to throw in there... Um, Darren Brown, the magician, because I reckon he'd, he'd uh, bring a different mix to the night, give us a few different tricks. He's also big into psychology and understanding human nature as well, so that would be a big one as well. And then I think you've got to balance it out. If you've got Tony Robbins, you need to balance it out with something like like the Buddha or something like that to bring a bit of spirituality, a bit of calmness, um, a bit of zen uh, to your life as well. In terms of where, um, if Jonesy's gone one, one end of the spectrum is a tutor in, I'll, I'll have to go like the other end of the spectrum. It'd have to be like, you know, on top of, you know, the uh, an 85-story building, like penthouse apartment with uh, with personal chefs bringing us um, fre- like some beef that had just been slaughtered minutes earlier. Something Ooh, it's a bit brutal. <laughs> it's a bit brutal. It's something, whatever the highest class thing you can think of is the exact opposite of the tutor in. A few minutes earlier, that doesn't even, that doesn't even mean cook that show. That's almost cannibal. I thought you could say you're going to take him to the G for a footy match and a meat pie. Yeah, I could do that as well. Could do that as well. Um, I don't uh, think they know what the hell was going on, but I, I could explain the rules to them. Nah, good answer. Good answer. Now, uh, where can people find you online, and what's the best place people can go to uh, purchase your book as well? Yeah, whatyouwillearn.com. Uh, you can find the podcast there. You can find the book there, The Shit They Never Taught You. You can find some of the, the free downloads there, the free introduction to The Shit They Never Taught You or our top 50 books of all time. Um, whatyouwillearn.com is the home for all of that. And uh, each individual question, what is the last message 
you want to leave my audience. So over to you, Jonesy, first. I'd say uh, I'm going to trust a lot of your audience are readers like us and like our audience. So firstly, reading books is one half of the equation. You're going to get all the best information of all time. There's the other half of the equations go out there and do shit because reading books, you might end up in the, the realm of intellectual masturbation, thinking you're getting somewhere and just being smart, but you're not really um, going out there and getting shit done. So that's the second part. Go out there and do shit. Go and try stuff, experiment, get it uncomfortable. And with that, you can actually grow and follow that uh, metaphor of evolution and you'll end up with a place that uh, you never thought you could be. Yeah, perfect. And uh, Ashto, yourself? Yeah, mine's the same. Read books, then do shit. Yeah, perfect. So, guys, I want to thank you for coming on the Best Book Bits podcast. Uh, to my audience, follow these guys. These guys uh, check them out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Buy their book and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for uh, being on the podcast. Thanks, Cheers, guys. You're an awesome Legend. interview, man. Appreciate no it. No worries. I'll see you soon.